Thank you so much for downloading this episode of So What Do You Really Do? The podcast where I, your host, Deader Dennis Miley, speaks with artists and entertainers about their day jobs. And this conversation is the day job of all day jobs for this podcast. Uh, I was lucky enough to sit down finally after a lot of rescheduling and uh, talks and back and forth and emails. Got to sat down with magician, comedian, and professor of comedy studies at Emerson College, Mike Ben. Uh, it was a great, fun conversation. I'm really glad we finally got to do this because I wanted to know what goes into the first ever college level comedy class, uh, not even class major. Like you can major in comedy now at Emerson. They've been doing it for about two years. I think it was, uh, he says in the uh, podcast, I want to know who are the students that take that? What are the kids learning? What are they trying to teach the kids when it comes to comedy and how they're doing it? He goes in depth on what the courses do and how he gets their mindsets uh, into comedy. And of course, we go into his background as a magician and comedian, um, someone who performs at the Mystery Lounge at uh, the Comedy Studio uh, every Monday or so, uh, and how he actually adapted his comedy and magic routine to be for children. Because uh, that's mainly what he does is he does a children's show, a magic and comedy children's show. Uh, and I want to know what it goes into that, because uh, I'm a fan of magic. I have been since a small child. Uh, and I would love to go see his shows, but it's weird sitting there being the only adult watching a magic show full of children. So that's essentially everything that we talked about. And then some more. And there's some really good stories of uh, him uh, when he started out. Um, so it's a very interesting uh, conversation that I had. And I hope that you will enjoy it with magician, comedian and teacher Mike Bent. This is a great setup you have here. It is nice. It's mostly, uh, uh, it's 90% of it is just stuff I acquired from working in radio for 20 oh, years. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then the other 10%, spent, 10% I spent a fair amount of money on to, uh, uh, to just for whatever reason. Like this arm here literally came from one of the studios I used to work at in Baltimore. Oh, wow. So, uh, Do you just they, I could write on just, um, Oh, yeah, you like oh, a, hey, actually, um, no. Yeah, I can just grab a piece of paper here. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, that's great. Help yourself. Now, just in case I uh, forget something, I think of something. Uh, yeah, I had so, to. I spent most of the morning just making sure to clean the place up a little bit, just because we. No, yeah, Zach great. had a Super Bowl party. Uh, and okay. so I didn't want anything to smell like old chili or <laughs> stale beer. Yeah. Because <laughs> no, I went to another party somewhere else. Yeah. So uh, that was where my fun was. Uh, was. Most of my fun was spent at a friend's house going, God, I hope I don't have to come home to too much of a mess. <laughs> it's a great idea for a podcast. Yeah, thank you. It's, uh, I want to... I've worked in radio up until August for 15 years. Um, so when I came up with the concept of this, I was like, I have an interesting day job. Other people have interesting day jobs that do this. People should know that, that we have these careers outside during the day and yeah. we do whatever we do at night to which is what we really want to do. And it's just a mode to get to know who you, the guest is yeah, as a yeah, person. Yeah, no, it's it's great. Um, instead of just having the the typical like so when did you start right, doing right, right. yeah, well, that kind yeah. of stuff. Did um is radio sort of doing the same thing like newspapers did where it's basically like all the local stuff they're just like getting rid of. And they're just replacing it with service, like, uh, you know, subscription stuff and whatever. It just seems like they're... 
I, I don't know what uh, newspapers have been doing, but I can tell you. That's what newspapers are doing. Like, the Herald is like this, like, a bone, bare bone staff for the Herald. It's mostly mm-hmm. like. I mean, uh, it's, I, yeah. I could say that radio is probably doing similar because they're cutting back and, and, and trying to get as as much for their bang as they can. But yeah, yeah. I worked in the FM side of things, and now I'm finding the non I'm starting to dabble in the non commercial side of, of radio. Nice. And, um,. Two completely different worlds. Yeah. Very much different. Have you ever uh, thought of like producing like comedy bits that, you know, like, because I know a lot of like stations subscribe to, you know, like, like you know, like you, you write a parody song about yeah. on something that came up with like the day before. Yeah. And there's, um, or, you know, I think, um, what's his name? Uh, uh, Big Fl- uh, Fluffy. I think he had one of those services too yeah. called Car Carmen's Carmen calls. Yeah, yeah, they're just yeah. fake calls, and he plays a character. I think it's him. It sounds like him. Uh, yeah. I, I can't find out who actually does Carmen calls because we even had the service. Yeah, and we couldn't find out who yeah, the original yeah, yeah, person yeah, was yeah. at one of the stations I worked at. Um, but I don't know. I've I got laid off in August, and now where I'm at is just trying to figure out what you know. Yeah. Stay afloat is basically yeah, what I'm doing right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's just the windscreen, the mic's yep. behind it. Uh, but yeah, if you talk into it, it'll, it'll pretty much pick you up no matter what. Great. But, um, I, no, I've never thought of it. That, that, yeah. You know, I've done the voices, uh, voices on demand stuff before yeah. where you call him look, Hey, I'm pretending to be a caller just calling that to talk on the topic that you want to talk right. or war of the roses or stuff like that, where it's right. like, Oh, we're going to send roses to this guy and see who he sent it to, his girlfriend yeah. or his wife. And yeah. then it's going to be hilarious. Yeah, Ugh, yeah, I hate yeah, those. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's, I can't, I, I can't idly sit by and watch or uh, listen to fake radio. So I don't want to participate <laughs> in fake radio. Right. You had done one of my sketch. Was it, the, you had been on one of my, the shows that I did at the studio with um, my students. Is that right? I don't think I was on any of the ones you do with your students. I've been around and hang around. But I was like, I thought maybe you were on one of those shows, one of those Emerson shows, but I I could be wrong. No, and that's great that uh, what your students get to do their final performance at a real club in front of a real audience. Whereas like Improv Boston, it's mostly friends and family. But at the studio, anybody can just walk in at any time and they have an audience that comes regularly and it's much more uh, ad- uh, beneficial, I think for your students to perform in front of real people who have nothing in stake at yeah. stake for them to perform at. Uh, yeah. to. Actually, you know what? Now I think about it, I did yeah. do one of your student showcases. I thought you did. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I, you did. The reason I blocked it out is because it was, I, I brought a date that night and it did not go well. I haven't talked to her since. So I blocked it from my <laughs> okay. memory. Sorry to bring that up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, I, uh, yeah, no, I do remember that now. Uh, there yeah, was, no, I, uh, I thought that you, that you had. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. I even remember having to think when I was talking, I was like, uh, like if, cause I remember when the students, it was a female student. Uh, I feel like she played the ukulele. Oh yeah. Yeah. And she, yeah, she yeah. did very well. And yeah. I, I, there was a thought in my head cause I went on at, uh, somewhere after her and I was like, Oh man, how embarrassing is it going to be if I brought a date and then I bomb and the kid who's going to comedy school does better than me. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> yeah. 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 I didn't do, do that bad that night, yeah. but it wasn't, it wasn't a stellar performance. Uh, right. when you're bringing someone to go, <laughs> oh, I am a comedian. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's always awkward and horrible. Yeah, I didn't mean to, yeah. but she kept pressing the issue. I was like, all right, fine. My uh, wife took, I think it was about six months before I let her see me. Okay. 
And then it was like, what's your favorite joke? And it was like the most obscure thing. I'm going like, all right, you're a keeper. <laughs> it's like the thing that didn't work was your favorite. That's good. If you like the thing that didn't work, then you're the gal yeah, for exactly, me. Yeah. Uh, on that, like the number one question, especially now, because I'm much more vocal about being a comedian because I have to get every butt have into a seat. Yeah, sure. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. This is the way Yeah, okay. I, I, I like the, the non-discreet start yeah, where yeah, it may, okay. cause we're already talking. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so you don't feel you're a professional. Some people I bring in here have never done an interview whatsoever, so I have to kind of trick them into going, oh, this is how I'm supposed to talk. Yeah, yeah, Is yeah. normal and and what – because I used to do uh, music interviews in college, and right. I bring in local bands, and they're great, and they're fun, and they're partying and everything, and joking around. And as soon as the mic's cracked, I was like, hey, I'm here with Misdirected. Why don't you boys go ahead and say hi to uh, – say hi and introduce yourselves, and then just huh, – Hello. Yeah. Like they get, now yeah. become scared, but as yeah. long as you're acclimated yeah. and already in. Uh, but yeah, uh, since I've been doing it, since I always get this question, uh, and I'm sure it's a different answer for you, is people always want to know when they find out you're a comedian, where do you perform? And I feel like that, that question comes from, I don't, I don't know that we do, that people do comedy here. Where can I go see comedy? For you as a kid's magician and, uh, uh and comedian, how do you answer that question when somebody asks, where do you usually perform? It, it's funny. I, I like the fact that we do the show, the mystery lounge, which is um, at the comedy studio on Monday nights. So I'll always like, I can always like easily direct people there. I can, Oh, we did the mystery lounge. You can go there. And it's sort of like, that's like my, my out, mm-hmm. you know, but it's sort of like, um, I'm very bad at explaining what I do to people. Like my barber, <laughs> You know, I hope he's not listening. Like my barber is just like, I just hope the question never comes up. Like he'll go like, are you off today? I'm like, yeah. And I'm kind of like, and I'll just sort of change the subject. I just don't want to. It's so, I think it's not interesting. I just think it's kind of, you know, if you had kind of have to give like the big answer. So I'm always like kind of reluctant about it. So I'm always glad to be able to spin it. Like, oh, you can go here, you know, just an easy, quick thing. But like, for me, it's like very complicated. Cause it's like, I do a lot of different kinds of shows, you know? And, um, and most of them, they can't come and see me because it's like I'm in a school or I'm at a library or something. And it's sort of, um, you know, like, yeah, I'm not going to tell somebody, yeah, come see me with 800 kids. <laughs> you know, it's just sort of it's sort of awkward. So, well, I somebody told me recently, um, I'm, there's a lot of stories that people have told me about you that I'm going to ask you to confirm, sure, yeah. or, uh, confirm or deny. Today. And one of them is I, I know you have played at the White House in yeah, past years. Ten and times. You, and you refuse to do you've been asked and you're refusing to do now is that if i understand that i i wasn't asked but okay. i didn't push it okay. you know i i could have done it if i wanted to but i i didn't pursue it and it's because of the current political climate yeah, which just, we don't have to go into yeah but. No, no no it's just sort of like um i did it 10 times i did it two times for uh president bush eight times all eight years of obama i was the only magician to do it eight all eight years actually opened for obama <laughs> and open for the first lady, which is like amazing, you know, like, like literally like warmed up the kids, got them ready and then go, here's the president, you know? <laughs> so it's just like, and I figured I don't want to push my luck. I had really good experiences. I don't want to do it. And from what I've seen, like the first year they did the egg roll, it was really scaled back. And, um, when, when I did it under George Bush, it was about 3000 people over the course of the oh, day. Wow. Um, the Obamas opened it up to thirty-five thousand people. Oh my god! Over the course of the day, that's so that, that's like the population six, of a city. Yes, yeah, so it's like six groups of you know, and um, so you're working all day, um, 
but it was uh, like they made it a lottery system where you just kind of go and get tickets online and anybody goes. So it was, what was cool it, when I did it originally, it seemed kind of privileged people who were like friends of friends and, you know, um, and this was just like just regular people, which made it a lot more fun and easier. And I know that they've scaled the numbers back and they've scaled the scale. I don't think they had any performers really that I've heard of um, doing it the last two years. So I was like, I had a good run. I'm, I'm happy with it. I'm like, all right, I can just kind of rest on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? uh, uh, I got to bring my wife and my daughter down, like, you know, to the White House. It's just like, that's really cool. You know, it's just sort of, yeah. And you start, uh, I don't think there's a single person who started magic as an adult. Uh, everyone starts yeah. somehow as a, as a kid, they get into it. Yeah. When you're doing it for that many, uh, even shows now, how many... How many times do you see the the spark of inspiration in the kid and you uh, when you're performing you go oh that's 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 he's going to be me in 30 years it's 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 a best hobby you can push on a kid you know um it it makes you i i was a very 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 shy kid very very introverted um and it's the only hobby that forces you i can't just do this card trick in my room I have to, you have to do it for someone for, to work. So it was the thing that actually kind of forced me to interact with other kids and, you know, do things. So how old were you when you started? I, I got a magic set when I was six and I never stopped. Like I literally, like every year I got a magic set and magic books and I lived at the library. You know, I grew up in Somerville. The Somerville library had great, great books. I just lived there. And it's like, I, I have them all memorized. I can, all the, all those kids books, uh, magic. I know him by heart. So I just um, kind of always did it. And um, uh, but it, it was definitely the thing that forced me to be a performer was that you could you, you just can't do this by itself. Yeah. Music, you can kind of play and perfect and just only play for yourself right, exactly, in your room yeah. and be a, become a virtuoso and never actually have to play for anyone else. Yeah. Magic and magic comedy, is, is really, they don't exist in a right, vacuum. Exactly. It's in, in to me, magic and comedy are like really the same thing. It's all the same basic rules apply. It's pretty much it, they're they're closer than I think most people think. You know, um, you know, it's all about um, leading the audience to one path when you kind of switch it up. It's just it's just all the case, all all the all the same basic rules apply. Now, when did you start? becoming a performer, uh, a magician for hire. Like when did you my, start going, Hey, uh, I, I'll come to your son's party. Yeah. And, yeah. My, and... my first show that I remember doing was in middle school, probably seventh grade. And, um, I went to Southern junior high in Somerville and, uh, I had a friend there who also kind of did magic and we kind of hung around and he said, um, Hey, my, my church group wants to hire you to do a show. So I'm like, all right, great. So I was like getting like 10 bucks or something. And I did, I don't know, like yeah, seventh minutes. grade, 10 bucks is, yeah, no, it was, it was phenomenal. And it was, um, uh, I did like 20 minutes and it was all like, it was like magic kit stuff, you know, like, look, I open the box and it's gone and it's there, you know, it's just real basic stuff. The, uh, vase that, yeah, the, the desert vase where, it yeah, just yeah, 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 yeah. Just real, real nothing other than magic, you know, uh, magic kid stuff. And when I finished the, the, the guy who was in charge of their youth group said, all right, you can have a seat, sit over here. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of weird. But then they had a visiting preacher who just talked about how evil I was <laughs> for about an hour. 
and that I was in league with the devil. What I was doing was real. I was harnessing the dark arts. And it was just like, and I was thinking, I must have been really good if I like, if I fooled them that much that they really thought I was like using Satan to make a handkerchief disappear, you know? And, um, and it, like, I think most people it would have like scared them off, but I was kind of like, wow, that was kind of cool, actually. You know, like, I like the fact that I kind of annoyed the guy. So, um, yes, in, like, around that time, like, I, I'm a kid. I love magic, you know, desperately wanting to do it. And around that time, like, there were a lot of acts, comedy acts that came out that were very, very similar. So you had, like, Steve Martin and Andy Kaufman and all these. And, you know, turns out Steve Martin and Andy Kaufman both did magic. Yeah. So it's sort of like it, it's not a big accident. So um, it was kind of cool to see, like, you don't have to be Jerry Seinfeld. You can do this other kind of stuff. And that's what I, that's what really, I was really lucky that the, the timing worked out that at that time there was sort of that explosion and it looked accessible to me. Like I, I could see a path, you know, I could see like a pathway to take. And that's, and then I moved from Somerville to Belmont um, to start high school. And then I was in, when I was in high school, I started performing in the theater program and just, I, I would, I could do Steve Martin's album on a, Somebody would say, do it. I could just do it. Yeah. I could do it word for word. I was the same way with Dennis Larry's No Care for Cancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exactly. I just knew every single beat of it. Um, and uh, and then I was about 16. I had I had been doing like shows, but nothing. I think I, I think the first thing I did that was any kind of regular thing was I worked in a restaurant doing like table magic. I was probably about 16 then when I started doing that. And you just like, it was like a Tuesday nights, you'd go up and, hey, do you want to see some magic? And you'd kind of do some magic and kind of move on and do that. And I ended up doing that for about 14 years at the same restaurants, which was oh, wow. like a really long time. Um, but that's when I started going to um, my first stand up thing ever was the Ding Ho. Yeah, legendary uh, Boston comedy club, it the Ding was, Ho. Um, I had never been in a comedy club in my life. You know, I had only seen it on TV and really had no, I'd never been in a nightclub in my life. And this is what year? Like 1981? Uh, that must have been like 1979 or something like that. Okay. So it's like, yeah. So I. Right in the heyday of comedy. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's when it all like was was starting up. Um, and uh, Lenny Clark was the MC. He um, really, he had a great intro for me. So he liked having me on because he could use the intro. The intro, he's like the kind of magician that um, uh, doesn't pull, he pulls a rabbit out of a hat, but then he cuts it in half with a chainsaw. So it's like, here he is, Mike Ben. So he loved doing that joke. So I think he just put me on because he could do, so he could do the joke because the joke always killed. Um, uh, Barry Crimmins at that time was sort of running the ding-ho. Well, he was, was running the ding-ho. He was very, very critical about what I was doing because I was doing like all old gags. And, you know, that's the, that's the problem with magic is like you kind of, you can buy an act. You know, you can just sort of, you pick up all this stuff. So I was like, I didn't know any better. I was just like, yeah, that's how you do it. You know, that's how I learned. And very, very early on was like, no, you have to be original. You have to be, do, write your own jokes. You have to. So it kind of like put the fear of God in me in really quick. So I basically uh, kind of over the course of like maybe six months kind of dropped everything and then just sort of picked up doing my own thing. And it, and it worked out. 
pretty well. Now, were you ever doing stand-up stand-up, or was it always a mix of magic and comedy? It's always been a mix of, of magic and comedy, yeah. Okay. I mean, I've, I've, gone on sta- I've done character things, but even with the character things, I do some magic in it. Um, I never wanted to do just regular stand-up. I've always like thought of myself as a magician first who does stand up. So it was just sort of like, you know, um, I always liked doing the weird stuff. I was like, like uh, for a long time, it kind of morphed, everything kind of morphed into like special effects kind of stuff. Like I would, I would do a bit where I would say, this is a Jack in the box inspired by the movie alien. It would be this black biomechanical Jack in the box. And it would start playing pup goes the weasel and I'd be playing it and it like wouldn't work. And I'd, go oh safety catch and i'd hit it and then it would, wouldn't work again i'd be like oh there's something wrong with it i don't know and then, then the alien would burst out of my chest <laughs> so it's sort of like you know so it's basically it is a magic trick it has all the beats of a magic trick but it also has all the beats of a joke you know it's sort of so it's sort of like a weird hybrid kind of thing so um stephen wright one time gave me he said, you're doing what I do, but you're proving it. And I went, oh, that's kind of cool, actually. I, didn't, I never thought about it. You're living in this weird, surreal world, but you actually prove it. You actually give evidence for it. Or I just kind of say it. You actually go and do it. Yeah, cause one of my favorite Stephen Wright jokes yeah. is uh, I like to mess with the kid across the street. So one night when his parents left, uh, I built my whole house out of basa wood and I would pick it up. Uh, I, I'm not doing the joke justice, but yeah. basically he had a joke about building his house out of basa wood. So he can mess with the kid across the street and you just pick his house up and yeah. frighten their child. Yeah. You're, yeah. yeah and that's that... kind of thing that I would actually do. Yes. Like it was just sort of like, <laughs> yeah. So it, he was like an early person that really, um, cause I'm sure you've, you've, you've experienced the whole like props are bad. Music is bad. Anything different is bad kind of a thing, which isn't as, isn't as big a thing now. It was a big thing. Yeah. I've never, I, I've never started. been that guy. I've yeah. Never yeah. Guy, no, because it, I started, you know, with a magic kit at, Eight, yeah, eight or whatever but like when I album. started, that was like a big, like yeah. you had to, you know, work extra hard to kind of get them to like it. And Stephen was the one of the first. Stephen and Jonathan Katz were like the two people that really kind of like went to other people. No, you should you should listen to him. You should see this guy, you know, and d- just forget all that stuff. Look at what he's doing. And they they were like my big cheerleaders, and they really helped me an awful lot. Second story for your, for your confirmation. I heard from somebody uh, uh, that you were doing a road gig one time. You had to pick up the headliner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, good, you already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The, I would love to hear the story yeah, from sure. your perspective. Sure. Um, well, this is exactly what we were just talking yeah. about. Like, yeah, there was, you know, one thing that was really nice was having a car. You know, uh, because then it it in the increased your gig potential because like. In in those days, there were a million satellite rooms. People don't realize like how many there were, but there were like satellite rooms, comedy rooms that might do once a week outside of Boston. Within like an hour and a half of Boston, there were probably like seventy or eight. It was like a huge number, and they were yeah. You could just do shows in New England. Oh yeah, within a no, two, it, three hour it, or less. It was crazy. Four hour or less yeah. drive all of New England and make a living. Yeah, easily, easily, and it's like so. So having a car was great, and um, one time I was working some gig up in New Hampshire, and they said, "Can you pick up the, this guy?" And I didn't know him, and I he I pick him up. I had to drive into Boston to go to New Hampshire to, to pick <laughs> him up. So it's like adding to my drive. I pick him up, and he gets in the car, and he says, "What's the suitcase for? We're not staying." And I said, "Oh, it's just like stuff for my act." He goes, "Oh, I hate prop comedians," and refused to talk to me 
I'm driving him to a gig, <laughs> like an hour, maybe an hour and a half away. Doesn't talk to me. It's just like, all right, I just put on the radio and that's it, right? So um, we get to the show and I um, I think there was a local person that was opening. I did, I was doing my middle spot and then he was headlining. So I do my spot, everything's fine, you know, like do it. And he gets up and the first thing out of his mouth is somebody else's joke. And then the second thing out of his mouth is somebody else's joke. So I asked the bartender, I said, can, you, can I get a piece of paper? And I, I actually footnote the first 20 minutes of his act. I mean, literally, like that's uh, Wendy Liebman, that's so-and-so, that's Margaret Smith, you know. And I just footnote, I'm like, literally that, you know. And then I just left it and I said, when you can do this to me, we'll talk. And then I just uh, signed it. I left it for him. And I just left him at the gig. <laughs> Um, oh, that, that, I never said I'd take him home. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I never, I never agreed to that. So I was pissed Sweet because justice. it's like, I'm working my ass off to be a hundred percent original and you're giving me crap when you can't even write a, you know, you're just like ripping people off. So I was like really mad. And I just like, you know, I'm not, I'm a very calm person. And I was just like, yeah, no, I'm just gonna, but it, what was cool about that is everybody heard about it. And they heard that I stood up for myself. And yeah. that was another thing that really helped. Like, yeah, no, he's serious. He's not He's not going to take shit from people. And that made a big difference. You know, that that definitely helped. But yeah, that actually happened. Yeah. Oh, good. I, I, yeah. I'm glad it happened the way somebody told me. Yeah, told yeah, it yeah, to me yeah, too. yeah, yeah. Uh, because there's there's a sweet vindication there that yeah, no, it's, I watch people do uh, – I watch magicians who do – that you know, who buy the trick, yeah, and do the story of the trick the way it's written. Exactly, yeah. Look, if you're going to do a rope trick, that's fine. Give me something new and right. interesting about it, right? Or they'll do a really good trick, uh, uh, but then their jokes are really terrible yeah. or hacky, and it's just yeah. I it's actually just uncomfortable. I, for I me lecture. As a watch. I lecture for magicians on being cre- being original. It's like my my number one lecture is you know being your own person on stage. And I did a huge convention. It's called Magic Live. It's one of the biggest conventions in the world. And I'm doing this big, you know, big uh, lecture. And the whole lecture is about originality. And I I took a trick that everybody does, which was, um, you know, it's a very, it's a great trick. It's like a real common plot of magic. You borrow a dollar bill from somebody. They sign their name on it. it you burn it up. It ends up inside a lemon. You know, it's like, that's, yes. a, that's a really cool trick, right? So there's no reason people shouldn't do that trick. It's like a classic. But everybody does the same jokes, you know. So I took like one little part of the thing was like, okay, yeah, they signed their name on the bill. And I just said to the audience, what are the go-to lines? And they go, oh, you got to put your social security on there too. And that's a federal offense. Mm-hmm. If it's the opposite sex, you say, you know, oh, write your phone number too. You know, like, and it's just like, and I just like, none of those are funny. Yeah. Like, or, or they're, they're, you know, they're just sort of placeholder jokes. It's just like, they don't really do anything they're just they're like clever it's just noise. they're clever but they're just noise yeah. you know and it's like you didn't think of them it's just and i said well what if you just didn't you know like sorry let me just take five minutes to figure out like what i can do with that so i was in the car with my daughter and i just i went through the whole process and lecture i said um why do you have to say anything you know here sign your name in the bill maybe i could say something else like you know talk to somebody in the audience whatever or just say nothing and i thought well if i'm saying nothing what do i do and I'm like, all right, I could kind of look over their shoulder and kind of be Snoopy, right? And I thought, well, that's kind of funny. And I was thinking I could comment on their handwriting. I could make a joke about their handwriting. Then I said, uh, what if I'm just like, I invade their personal space and get a little too close? And I thought, kind of like that because it's kind of, 
you're trying to do this thing and I'm being Snoopy. And then I said, well, what if I, if I said, oh, I, I couldn't help but notice your, your perfume. What is it? And maybe I could riff off whatever perfume yeah. she said. But well, then I thought it was funnier to say, well, I, um, I couldn't help but notice you noticing my cologne, which is like, they're not, <laughs> you know, but it's sort of like, it's kind of a pretentious thing yeah. to say. So then I was thinking, well, what would my cologne be? And I'm like, all right. And I came up with this gag, which is, uh, it's called Ocean Mist. Do you like it? And I go, yeah, they're three for five bucks. You get them at the car wash. And I'd take out a chain with a with a, a air freshener tree around my chest. And then it's just like, yeah, that's a pretty good joke. Because it's like, yeah, he's an idiot and he's cheap and all that. So it's kind of like I did the lecture, kind of sent. It took five minutes to come up with like a better bit. Yeah. I mean, you and, can even not even sign your name. Write, write yeah. down your favorite song. And yeah, exactly. Some, that. Something. Anything exactly. Else, exactly. Like, anything else but that. So I did the lecture. I get off. It like goes really well. I'm really psyched. And I had like 15 people go, do you sell that little tree thing with the – and I'm like – I'm going, oh, man, you didn't get it, you know? And then um, – but then I was like thinking, well, you know, anybody could do that joke. And it's kind of like, yeah, maybe it's not a good enough joke. If, if they all think they could do it and get away with it, I then it, maybe it's kind of lame. So then I like put it aside and then later on I was rethinking it and here's what I do now. I go, do you like it? Oh, it's called Ocean Mist. They're three for five bucks and I take the thing out and I show it gets the laugh and I go, yeah, the only thing is I have this horrible tree-shaped rash. And when I open up my shirt, there's a blistering tree-shaped pussy <laughs> rash, perfectly tree-shaped. And it's like – and that kills and it's like – and they can't do that. Yeah. You know, because it's like my character can do that. They can't do it. So it's sort of like it kind of forced me to even think of uh, go a little bit further with it. But it's just like most people, most magicians won't put in the five minutes yeah. that it takes to just like ask a couple of questions and think about what you're doing. And that just – it drives me crazy. Or, come from, like, or just create a point of view Yeah, yeah. Of who a, you are. A, and a character, your point of view. Absolutely. You're totally right. That's like, you know, and um, – but, but so many won't do it. And there's – you know, and again, there's so many like – so many bad comedy magicians that do it, but there's also so many bad comedians that do it. So it's sort of like yeah. the numbers are probably pretty even. You know, they're probably, it's not, I don't think it's proportionately different for magicians. I just think you notice them more because they're different. You know, yeah. They stand out a little bit, you know, but. And so now you're, uh, at what point do you go from being a road comedian magician to teaching at, at Emerson? Yeah, you graduated um, from Emerson. Yeah, I graduated from Emerson. I started teaching. Uh, this is actually um, this fall was my thirty first year starting at working at Emerson. So I oh, started wow. like when I was pretty much right out of there. Oh wow! Yeah, so I've been there a, a long time. Um, when I uh, got the gig, uh, Ron Lynch. Do you know Ron? Ron Lynch. Ron they... Lynch is a legendary Boston comic. He now the name he, sounds familiar, but I'm not picturing. He's in the face. like I probably know exactly who it is. But he's really big in the uh, L.A. kind of alternative scene. He has a show called The Tomorrow Show, that's really just a phenomenal, yeah. you know, thing. And he's always been one of my favorite comedians. He's just weird and brilliant and and great. And he recommended me for it, and I was like floored because I'm like going, "Wow, if I will do whatever he." says I should do because I really respect him and I did it. And when I started taking doing it, it was just a general like kind of writing class. And over the years, I changed it. I added doing um, – I added a sketch comedy class where you actually the, – basically the, the class is a comedy troupe and you write the sketches and do the sketches at the end of the semester. We do like 14 sketches 
the end of the semester. Then I added the stand-up class where, again, people do uh, their thing and, you know, and all that. So it, it really has now, – now Emerson's the only uh, college – you can we're in the world where you can major in comedy studies, yeah, which you're the head of now. Too, uh, I'm, right? I'm not the head of it. I'm on, I'm on the committee for it, but okay. I'm like um, I'm one of the people that kind of oversees the major and kind of helps develop it and uh, and works on it. So um, and it's very popular. It's like it's like it's like yeah, I mean, we thought with the numbers boom, of so. people that applied, we're like, oh my god, we didn't. No one thought it would be that many, and they had to like double the program basically, like the first year, which was insane. So uh, the last couple of years, I've been really busy because I've been taking on more courses and it's just sort of like it's been very, very uh, tough schedule wise. So um, so I um, I re- honestly, I just kind of fell into it. It was just like, you know, Ron recommend I never thought of doing it. Ron recommended me and um, uh, it just uh, it worked out pretty well. And I think what one reason why it works is like what I do is so niche. I don't. I'm not really competing with them. If I, if somebody was doing the same kind of stand up jokes that I was doing, I'd be kind of like, it would be kind of hard to do. I think, but I'm like, no, no one's even. I'm like, no one even does anything close to what I'm doing. Yeah. So I can kind of give them like my full attention with their stuff, and it it works out pretty well. I really like doing it. Um, I um, uh, yeah. And it, what happened around the same time of that happening was the comedy boom kind of went bust. You know, um, I took this as like a part time thing. I thought, yeah, I'll do it because Ron recommended it. And then within a year or two, like 85, 86. Yeah. So the around uh, the I guess um, like 80, 88 in that ballpark. So basically um, the comedy boom, like a 90 went bust. You know, that was like the big year of it. Just like literally, um, you know. My work just – all the rooms just closed. It was like – it's like overnight. It was just like gone. You know, That's how it seems anyway. I'm sure – I'm sure there were signs there that I didn't see coming, yeah. but I'm, but I'm, that's what it felt like. And basically I went, yeah, good thing I have this and I could kind of do it. So that was when I kind of um, didn't want to go on the road. I, I, I did road stuff. I mostly – most of my road stuff was colleges, which I really liked doing because it's just like you, you know, you go out for two weeks and you're gone and then you kind of back – but I was like uh, – in 1990, I got married. I didn't want to be on the road. I didn't – you know, 1992, I had my daughter. I didn't want to be on the road. So it's sort of like I kind of picked up doing other things. And then that's when when my daughter was about three or four, I was going – my favorite thing in the world is making her laugh. I will do anything I can to make her laugh. And I went – I had done magic for kids before but never really – I always just thought of like – it was like an extra thing. I kind of do it. But then I went, oh, I can do the same thing. I'm, I could do basically stand up for kids and call it magic. But you know, so basically, I just sort of picked up on doing that, and I, I, and it's now it's like, you know, it's just I'm. Turns out I was pretty good at it, and it just um, it's a blast. You know, so it's sort of it it lets me work during the day. So I'm home at nights. I get to see everybody. I had a normal schedule. Didn't have to be on the road. So it just I lucked out. Like between Emerson and that, it just gave me the stability that I needed to, you know, um, you know, to make it work. I like, I mean, I was totally lucky. Like the timing of everything just all worked for me. I was, I'm very grateful of that. Uh, so as a, as a man who teaches comedy writing and sketch comedy, what is the basic, and I don't want, I, I'll say syllabus, uh, but 
when you're creating a class spe like uh, specifically about comedy writing, what are the topics that you're going through with the with the students to get them to understand that? You know, I always say comedy's formula: uh, setup plus punchline equals laugh. Yep. Uh, you know, put it uh, multiply it by by a uh, tag, and you get more laughs. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I, I have it, people say that like, oh, comedy's formula, but you could break the formula. Like, no, you can't break the formula. It's very formulaic. If you stick to it, it'll work every single time. So what is it that you teach them in a writing class? Just general, general yeah, it, that it's funny. makes it's, it different than a regular writing class. It's funny because you mentioned that. I actually, the first class, I usually make this big chart on the board like a graph. And it's set up over punchline. And it's like, and it, like they think, oh my God, it's going to be like, we need notebooks. We need to write in. And I'm like, no, this is just nothing, you know. Um, it's more like um, sketch is more... How can you come up with ideas, you know, and the first uh, month or so is just brainstorming, brainstorming. And I came up with these like little techniques over the years that kind of like let you come up with just really great original premises and stuff pretty quickly. So I just kind of like work that, show them that you can wait, you can sit around and wait for an idea to come to you or you can make the idea happen. So, like, we do one thing where it's, like, at the end of the class, I have, like, 15 students. They probably come up with, like, three things. I come up with a bunch. Uh, it's We could probably come up with, like, 50 viable sketch ideas. Out of those 50 viable sketch ideas, five are, like, really, really good. Like, you could do that, and we could write that, and it's going to play out, and we can just do it. So, it's kind of like, that's not bad for an hour's work, you know, like an hour and a half of work. It's coming up with, like, five really good ideas. So, it's it's more a question of getting them to have confidence in their ideas. Like, you know, like, yeah, this can work. We, we, we can fix it. Just, you know, we bring it to the table. You're going to get a lot of input. We'll fix it. And um, so, it's more building their confidence and just showing them how to come up with the ideas. Then, then the second half of the semester, we, we they write the sketches and then they then we really fine tune them. That's it. Like my, my favorite thing in the world out of with magic and comedy and everything is crafting. You know, like when you have something that kind of works, but then you make it like work. And you like you said, you multiply the tags, you come up with all the bits, you come up with the great ending. You know, it's like that's my favorite part of the whole deal. More than performing, that's like my favorite part. It's just like the that craft. You know, so it's like just the fact that we get to work on that and improve it every time, and they just they get to just live out the process and then then we actually do the show and then and the, the sketches work and they're like wow okay that's amazing you know so it's more interactive class than it is oh yeah oh it's not lecture at all it's it's just like i run every class like a writer's room you know it's just like yep we're just what do you have and and the stand-up one stand-up one is um it's a little bit different because they're not working on a group thing they're working on their own things so it's kind of get them to come up with like topics that are interesting and a lot of that um, real introspective stuff, you know, like, like, um, you know, uh, I always say that, you know, you get, um, you know, in comedy, your weaknesses, are your strengths, and a lot of people don't want to reveal their weaknesses. So it's kind of like, well, we kind of have to do that. Yeah. So it's sort of like, what are the things you're afraid of? What are the your, what are your phobias? What are your anxieties? You know, just kind of like go through all that and go, yeah, that's what that's the kind of stuff we should be talking. So more, it's more like kind of getting them to come out of like a safety zone and think about like, I need to talk about 
how messed up I am and that kind of thing, you know, and, and that's, that's, that is hard to do. That takes a little bit of time, but then once they, once they get there, then they, they can have fun with it, you know? Um, but, um, like, like even you mentioned the show that there was the woman that had the ukulele, like she only reluctantly at the, towards the end of the semester said, kind of came up afterwards and said, you know, I played the ukulele and I kind of thought about this thing, and I, but I think it's kind of lame. And she did it. And I was like blown away by it. It was like, no, that's, that's, that's the kind of, that's what you should be doing is that that's like better than anything you did for the other stuff. So it's just sort of like kind of getting them to trust themselves and, and have it be a pretty, having it be a really supportive, but not uh Pollyanna, you know, environment, you know, like, like, um, yeah, that's that's kind of the key to it. It's just like kind of just being able to work with them. And I've done it, you know, for a long time. Like, you know, so now it's like kind of like I think I know how to do it. But the early days of that was just like trying to figure it out was like, okay, let's try this. And you just keep keep the stuff that, you know, that that tries, you know, that works, um, you know. Now, come a both sketch in the stand-up class where you're working with people, coming up with ideas, pitching ideas, going, all right, what's a good thing here? What are you thinking about? Do you notice a trend every year of certain topics always come up and you're like, yeah, that's been treaded on or, yeah, hey, maybe you can come somewhere new. Like, what topics do these kids come up well, with? Well, it's funny because, like, um, uh, like, escape rooms are a big thing mm-hmm. now, like the escape room sketch. And it's like, it's a good, it's a great premise for a sketch. You know, when it's like, basically what I like about it is, you have the beginning, middle, and end all there. You know, we're locked in the room. You get the rules. You do the clues, and you either get out or you don't. So it's like, boom, that's easy. That's all right. We can just put jokes in there. That's that's you know that's fun. Um, it's uh, so that that's sort of the, a common one now. Um, but even like even like like when my stand up one, I always write a list on the on the board. It's like airplane food, dogs versus cats. <laughs> you know, I write that and I go. What is this? And they go, oh, hack set list. I go, no, it's not. Those are, you could do any of those. Nothing's been done. Yeah. Nothing's finished. If you have an interesting take on dogs and cats, you should do it. You know, like the, don't think these are, these work, you know, these are, these are good topics. And it's the fact that I think the lamest thing comedians say is everything's been done. It's just like, that's a lie. It's yeah. like, no, this, it's like, why would you do it? If everything had been done, why would you still do it? It's, it's, I, I would have no interest. If I honestly believe that, I would have no interest in doing yeah. this because it, I'm just I'm just retreading ground. It's like no, like you, everyone has a unique perspective. You can always bring new things to yeah. it, and that's so the even, challenge is yeah, to bring so, something unique to a topic that is yeah, yeah has already been treaded on. Where can you find your individual voice? Yeah, and then if that? if you if you do the you know the. Uh, the airplane food joke that's brilliant. Then everybody goes, oh, my God, where that joke's just been sitting there for the taking and you were the one that came along and took it. You know, it's just like everyone worked on that, but you came – you got the joke. It's like that's – I think people actually have respect for you when you do old – you know, old like what are considered common topics and, and create new ground with it. And that's like – so even like if they bring up like something that's like an, a kind of a common sketch – it's like I just look for the different angle on it. Like, go well. Here's what's been done, 
and you go like, and I'll show, and I can, what's great now is like, I can just pull up on YouTube. Yeah. Like I'm like, I have a pretty encyclopedic knowledge of like sketches and everything. So I can just like Google it and go, yeah, kids in the hall did this. SNL did this with this. What can you do? And then, then they kind of look at it and they go, oh, okay. It's either, either the joke's been kind of done. I want to move on. Or maybe I could come up with a new angle on it. So yeah, coming up with a new angle is always, always good. Do you still watch SNL? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you watch it live or do you watch it uh, like YouTube? I usually DVR and watch it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and do you tell your students that to, that they should part of their homework is to go out and watch SNL regularly or watch old bits or watch old kids in the hall? Yeah, you know the, the hardest thing is getting people to look at old stuff. Yeah, that is that's the only obstacle that I have, and old is like five years old. You know, it's like I'm trying to get them to look at Buster Keaton and it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like they won't look at like a show that's like five years old. So like it's so you kind of have to find like the great introductory. Here's like how many of you know the kids in the hall? Like maybe you look one person and then you show them like the skit and they're like, oh, my God, tell me more. You know, and then they want to so it's almost like you have to find like the perfect thing. You can't force feed it. You got to have to find like the perfect examples that make them like want to find out more, want to, you know, want to dig a little bit deeper with it. Um, yeah, they're very like um, they tend to be now very just like, nope, right now. That's what I'm dealing with. I don't want to look at the past. And I I mean, I'm like a junkie for old stuff. You know, yeah. I mean, I like that's 99% of what I watch is all old, you know, old shows and old TV stuff and yeah, all that. Um, yeah. Holy Grail just came to Netflix earlier this month. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or, and all the, all the Python stuff is on Netflix yeah. now, which uh, is and great. They've been yeah. slowly adding everything. Yeah. And then the, at the beginning of this year, they added Holy Grail. I was like, yeah. I haven't seen it in a while. Yeah. And I sat down and watched it and it's still... It's brilliant. It's still brilliant. So, it's so well yeah. crafted. Even when you yeah. look at the filmmaking aspect of it, like yeah. these guys who didn't really know what they were doing. And they had no money. Film. Yeah, they, I, like the like the they wanted horses. They couldn't afford horses, so, so they, found a way around they it. came up with this brilliant workaround. The, the Black Knight scene is literally Terry Gilliam and John Cleese fighting each other because they had no money or no yeah. idea for a stunt doubles. Right, so it's um, like basically we'll we'll do it this way and it'll it'll work. And um, yeah, um, one show that I just kind of showed, um, which was like a revelation. I at last last semester I filled in I had to teach a late night class, which isn't really my my thing, but I think I did okay with it. Um, I showed them. Um, did you ever did you ever see a show it was called Fernwood Tonight with Martin Mull and Fred Willard, and then it became America Tonight. It was basically a yes. fake talk show from Fernwood, Ohio. Martin Mull, Fred Willard, mostly like improvised, and they just had all these like stable of actors that they come in it was just a completely fake talk show and i'm going you could do this now this is this is the kind of thing that would work it didn't work that well then this would totally work now there's yeah. improv is such a big thing now like you could do this in a heartbeat and it costs you nothing to do and like you could so it's sort of like kind of find things that are old that are relevant now and you do know? It. yeah and then and then do it yeah. um the uh oh how do you uh, in your class? We uh, we both know sometimes comedy can be very uh, 
I don't want to use the word offensive because I hate saying that it's offensive because yeah, that yeah. means it's purposely done that way. But right. comedy can offend. Some people like to do dirty material. How do you handle that in a class? Do you give them free reign to talk about whatever they want? They're like, hey, look, because we are an institute, I have to put a kibosh on any genitalia joke or any dick jokes or do they just get to do whatever? It's it's pretty open. Um, they still have to follow the rules that are in the you know, the school at large. So, you know, um, but they're encouraged to really push the envelope. I mean, that's like the big thing now is like uh, colleges are too PC and all that stuff. It's just like, it isn't like colleges are the, like, it's like that generation is driving that though. Like they, that's what they want. Like they don't, and I think PC comes off as people are telling me I can't do stuff. And I, I think it's, it's no comedy is like I think PC is just saying do comedy that's relevant to now. You know, a lot of times you you hear like comedians kind of go, oh, you can't, I can't because PC, I can't do the same. It's like, yeah, listen, like maybe you like that joke you wrote thirty years ago. Maybe it doesn't work anymore. Maybe things are different. Like I, you know, I've by my own just going, yeah, I want to be relevant. Have cut things that just yeah. That, I, you know, it has a different meaning now than it did even five years ago. It's just sort of like, yeah, that doesn't really, that comes off a little this now, and I don't want to come off that way, so I don't need the joke, and I'll write another joke, you know? So it's, um, uh, like, language, they, they can swear, they can do, every, like, yeah, no, it's it's no, um, they all, it's funny, because a lot of times they all try to shock me, and I'm like, I'm kind of unshockable, yeah. so it's sort of like, you you do know who you're dealing with here, you know, like the guy that had aliens burst out of his chest, and yeah. chronic nosebleeds, and I sucked my brain out of a machine, and died on, you know, just like, yeah, like, I'm kind of done the shock thing. Um, it, it's really only comes up as a problem when it's really mean spirited, you know, when it's kind of like you're, you're, you're punching down, you're, you know, you're, you're making fun of like, um, that's the only time when it really kind of comes up is that. And then we kind of talk it through and then people get to, you know, like I would say you have to find a balance between having an environment where you can be creative and an environment where people feel comfortable. So it's like, you know, it's, it's like we just kind of talk it through and, you know, usually we can talk it out and it's fine. Sometimes it lingers, but not not very often. It seems to kind of correct itself pretty well. Now, do you wait until a student does something that is potentially triggering to somebody usually to have that conversation or do you? We have it up front okay. that if something is if something really bothers you, you should speak up because and if you don't if you don't feel comfortable speaking up, talk to me about it and I will speak up for you, you know. Um a lot of it just kind of comes up. I remember there was one sketch somebody wrote and it like it was a really good sketch, but the women in it were just sort of like the the authority figures, you know, and just like it's just like my first instinct was why do the women have to be naggy? Women can be evil too. <laughs> And then, then it, it, then they went, oh yeah. And then it actually made the sketch a thousand times better having it kind of them all flip and become, you know, the bad person in it rather than just the, the person saying, you shouldn't do that. That's bad. You know, it's sort of like, no, corrupt them. Like we can, <laughs> you know, we can do that. And it's sort of like, yeah, just kind of looking at it. And I, I can, I can usually kind of, pull out the things that I think are going to be problematic and I'll bring it up. I usually will bring it up first, but I don't, 
I don't go with a laundry list saying you don't do this, you can't do that. It's just sort of like they they kind of know. They know the they know the drill, I think. And it's just sort of like um yeah, it's just I I have to make sure everybody's feels like they they can go up with their stuff. And if they're going to feel marginalized, then I don't want I don't want to have that environment. I want, you know, like my last stand-up class was probably the most diverse one that I had and it was probably the best show that I had. And it was like, everyone's encouraged to try to like talk about this and like, what are, you know, I have somebody that's performing in drag. It's like, well, what do you, what do you questions do you have for them? You know, like what, you know, and it just sort of like, it actually was, I thought it came out really well. I was very, very happy with it. It was like, you know, everybody felt like they could do their own thing. And I didn't think anybody was holding back anything. So over the 30 years, 30 plus years that you've been teaching, have you noticed the demographic of the class shifting? Yeah. Um, when I first started, there would be maybe one or two women in the class. Now it's it's probably 50-50, if, if not more women than men. The majors pretty much uh, split down the middle. And that's honestly just based on who applies and who gets in. You know, it's it's not like we're trying to shape anything. It's just that's, that's the way it works out. Um, uh, when I started, if there was, if a student was gay, they wouldn't really want to talk about it. Now it's like, yep, they want to yeah. talk about it. And I'm almost to the point of going, yeah, everyone knows the coming, like, yeah. that's kind of boring. <laughs> Just do something different with it. It's become so commonplace that it's kind of like, yeah, you need to, you don't want to be defined by this yeah. necessarily, you know? Um, do you want to be, you, know, like, you should talk about it, but it shouldn't be like your whole thing. It's do you like, want to be a comedian? Do you want to be a gay comedian? Yeah, or exactly. Or a comedian and, and a lot of it's gay. like, where do you want to work? Do you want to work mainstream clubs? Do you want to work gay clubs? Like you can, both are great, but you, you know, you need to kind of start making decisions now about where you're going to go with that. So it's sort of like, um, yeah, all that stuff that people didn't want to talk, like now they're, they're talking about it, which is great. I mean, it's like, it just makes it way more interesting, way more fun. And, uh, and they're just more honest, you know, it's like, but, but even, um, there's no, the, 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 uh, everybody's really supportive. There's never any blowback about things like, you know, but where before it was like, yeah, probably 30 years ago, if you brought up you were gay, somebody would probably have a problem with it. It's just sort of like, no one cares now. It's like, and it's like, it's honestly, no one even, it doesn't even register with people. It's like, that's, what's great about it. It's just sort of like, oh yeah, cool. Okay. You know, just. It's not like a special thing or anything. It's just sort of like, yeah, but we're used to that. Is there, do you think Emerson's always been like a very open, diverse school? So it's, you know. Do you think there's been something in the culture that has shifted, allowing uh, more females in, who come to the class because yeah. we're, be, we're, we're telling them women can be comedians too? Or is it more of right. a, because we're in a comedy boom, so there's more people being inspired that just so happen to be female or gay or black or whatever. Yeah, I thing? think I, I always call it the Tina Fey factor because, okay. you know, uh, Tina Fey just, uh, you know, rose as this like powerhouse. I mean, brilliant comedian, one of the best people SNL has ever had, like just great, you know. And 30 Rock, you know, here's a show that shouldn't have worked at all. Like the network really didn't even want it to work. You know, it was basically there were two shows, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Which was Aaron Sorkin. Yeah. Too, and then 30 Aaron Rock, Sorkin which is the same. comedy show? Wow. Yeah. And then um, 30 Rock was supposed to fail and it didn't. It completely dominated the the landscape. And, um, and I think, you know, and sh- she wrote a great book that's very like honest and very 
you know, like, so I think a lot of that, I think it, I think she inspired a whole generation of people. And then Amy, Amy Poehler right behind her. And, but it's like, you know, it's funny because they, they, the whole concept of like, women aren't funny is just so ridiculous. Bullshit. And it's like, it's a relatively new invention. You know, it really, it really kind of came out in the late seventies, early eighties. Like when the comedy boom happened, it just kind of like, that's when it really kind of stuck. But before that, you go back to TV and vaudeville and stuff. It's like, no, they were, they were, they were women. The all biggest the stars were women. Mae West, Fanny Bryce. I mean, I mean I'm only 37, like, but I grew up watching yeah, Lucille Carol Ball Bur- and thinking, I want to grow up to be Lucille Carol Ball. Carol Burnett is like the, the, the god of sketch comedy shows. It's like, so it's sort of like, it, it's, if if you know the history of it, it's sort of like it's such a ridiculous argument, yeah, and it's I, like I don't know where, I don't know how it came about, I don't know how it happened. I'm glad that it's really kind of going away, because um, it's it's just an artificial thing that just kind of popped up, you know, when there was a boom and it kind of got attention, and it's it's just stupid. It's like it's it's ignorant. You yeah, know? I don't know where. It came from because as a kid, like I said, I wanted to be Lucio Ball when I grew up because I didn't see any difference between her no, and I no. growing up. But even nobody... as a kid, I'm not going to say I'm the most woke guy in the world because I'm definitely not. I've yeah, definitely yeah, done yeah, some bad yeah. misogynist things in my past time as a, sure. just as a growing human being. But I've never – I've always – when somebody would go, oh, women aren't funny, I'm like, Joan Rivers, Carol Burnett. Oh, yeah, Lu- no. I, I, could, it, I would list all these female yeah. – funny females for people and they're like, yeah, but – I'm like, no, oh, but – the, and I yeah. never, I couldn't understand yeah. where that came from. I, I never understood it because it's like everything I, everything that was in my experience was, yeah. yeah. I mean, like Mae West basically brought sex to the screen, like in comedy. She was the one. Yeah. She, she did it. She did it first and she did it great. I mean, it was like amazing what she did with it. Yeah, you know, she did it Carol 25 Burnett, years before Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. Carol Burnett invented the sitcom basically. It's like, you know, like she invented, she perfected it. She took like this crap, fairly crappy medium at the time. And it's like made it beautiful. And like, you know, it's like, like somebody said that that show's never not been on the air. Like it's, it's always running somewhere in the world. <laughs> Like literally, since it was on, it's never been off the air. At this moment, somewhere she's it's somewhere is watched somewhere. Lucy somebody's watching her. Somewhere. Yeah, her yeah, 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 yeah. So it's it's just um, it's insane. It's just it's it's crazy. So I'm glad that like um, uh, and again, like kind of in my wheelhouse, I can, I can, I you know, I know all the the you know, I know the female community, so I can kind of like, you should look at this person, you should look at the, you know, I, I know, like, I always appreciated funny people, and it's kind of like, I know all the funny people, and it's like, you can, yeah. When, I mean, Wendy Liebman is like one of the best punch, set-up punch tag writers ever in the history of the of the thing. It's just like, yeah, she's great. Like, you know, like, that, that's who I'm showing examples of in, in school. I mean, her Lounge Lizard special oh, from when I was brilliant. a kid on, on Comedy yeah. Central I watched it over and over and over as much. I watched that, yeah, probably her her special as much yeah. as I watched Amazing Jonathan. Yeah, she's one of the best writers that there is. I mean, hands down. Yeah, um, and consistently, like you know, like consistently the whole career, just like yeah. What so do think? It's I, just a crazy art. It, it's like people throw it around. It's just like ah, you don't know what you're talking about. Like like know your history. One of the things that I've uh, had, you know, when I talk, I've had women on the show and women community that I'm friends with. A lot of them grew up not knowing of these women women in comedy. So, right, yeah. And they're like, look, I never heard of, uh, you know, 
uh, Joan Rivers until I actually started yeah. doing stuff. Yeah. Is that something that, that you feel that you've had, uh, had similar experience with where your female students who are like, look, I want to do comedy, but I don't see any women on TV. And then you have to say, oh, well, there's, do you feel like you've always said, hey, there's been role models out there. You just unfortunately I, haven't I, seen I, them. Again, I try to like, I try to bring up people that are relevant and kind of like, you know, you should look at this person. You should look at this person. That kind of thing. I do, I do kind of steer them to that. Um, but right now, the landscape in comedy is is a lot better. I mean, it was it was like you know the Boston comedy scene in the beginning was not very it was not a very open place for women or people of color. It was just like it just wasn't. And again, like you had to be twice as funny to kind of like you know get the same as anybody else. And it's kind of like you know. Um, I just, I always thought that I just like good comedy. So it was like, I always like hung out like with like Lauren Dombrowski. She was a brilliant stand-up comedian here. And then she went on to be a producer at Mad TV and actually had her, um, her, uh, nephew in my class. Like she passed away a couple of years ago. Okay. I had her nephew in my, and I was, I was just like, I almost cried. Cause it was kind of like, I loved your mom. You know? <laughs> your mom was a genius. I mean, your, your, your aunt, I loved her. She was a genius, you know, like just please let me, you know, like. Have you taught multiple generations you. of. Uh, not. That's like the clay. I was like okay. the, that was the one I'm going, I'm okay. really old now. <laughs> like, 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 okay. Yeah. That was like, that was the, that was like, Oh geez. Like it seems like yesterday. And it's like, yeah. Moving on to uh, doing, you know, when you decided to start doing more kids shows, uh, what makes for a, what specifically makes for a good kids comedy show as opposed to adults? It's, it, there's really not that much difference. It's like, what I really like about it is that I, pretty much anything I think of, I have a use for. You know, if I think of something that's kind of like, oh, I'll use it here, I can use it there, I can use it here, and I can kind of like plug it in anywhere. So, um, the, to me, the things about it uh, that are important about a, doing a kid show is you don't ever speak down to kids. You don't treat them like they're stupid, you know? Um, and that's like the, probably the number when I, when I see other people, that's kind of what they do. Hello, boys and girls. Welcome. You know, it's just like all artificial and phony. And it's like, I never, with my daughter, I never talked like baby talk to her. It was always just kind of like, hey, we're going to the mall, you know, we'll, we're going to shop. You know, she's like a baby. I'm like, just would talk to her like the way I talk to anybody. So just being like your, yourself with them. Um, kids really know if you're not sincere, you know, like they're like literally programmed to, it's like a defense thing, you know, like I need to know if this person is sincere or not. So it's, they, so they know if you're not having a good time, they know if you're not having fun. Um... I, I take my cues from like Pixar, you know, I take my cues from like SpongeBob, like really good kids programming that doesn't, you know, in, in the show works for adults. It works for kids. There isn't anything in there that like doesn't work for everybody, you know? So like, um, like I have a shining reference in the kid show. I make all the kids say red rum you know <laughs> it's kind of like yeah okay great it it works they don't know what i'm talking about but the adults do i don't do a lot of that where it's at the expense of kids you know it's just it's got to be fun for them but it's just being honest with them being fair with them being just um again it's like i do what i think is funny and it just happens to work you know like 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 i do this thing where um 
uh, my phone keeps going off during the show, like we just did on, on you. Yeah, I know. The professional radio <laughs> yeah, guy forgot yeah, to turn his yeah, phone yeah, off. Yeah. It but, happens um, almost every intro I do at least once. But it's funny because <laughs> I, I remember just being at like a friend's house and somebody's phone went off and there was just that, mm, that the buzz and all the kids like stopped because they knew they had to be quiet. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of, I can kind of use that. So I, like there's a couple of points in the show where I need to bring them down. You know, I got them all excited. I kind of bring them down to, you know, kind of have a little bit of a flow to the show. And so I found this device where it's like my phone goes off and it's like, um, you know, and uh, the, this, the, it, this bit on paper shouldn't work, but it does. And I have no understanding of it, but it does work. It's, uh, I, I, you know, it goes off and I go, hello. And I, and everyone, and everyone's quiet. Cause they know like when the adults on the phone, you need to be quiet. And That's amazing. It's, yeah. And, and it's like, uh, so you're talking like hundreds of kids, just woof, totally quiet. And, um, it's the old McDonald's filet of fish song, you know, like give me back that filet, you know, like the thing on the wall, like it was like a, yeah. it was like the little Billy Bass and we yeah. saying it was like a, this weird little fillet of fish thing that that was really funny at the time. It shouldn't work at all now because they have no reference to it, but it just works. It's just one of those things that just like oddly works. So it's like okay, that's the first one. Then the second one is, um, and I kind of like that was weird, you know, like what was that, <laughs> you know? And then I hang up. Then the second one is, um, you know. Uh, I go, hello. And it's like, you know, do you want to build a snowman? Friends and I go, and I go, no, I don't want to build a snow. Stop calling. Why are you calling me? <laughs> and it's like, okay, fine. And then, you know, hang up. And the third one now is um, the Adele hello song, you know? So it's like, hello. And the music comes up on me. Hello. And it's like, and I'm like, yeah, it's me. It, it's me. And I'm like, yeah, I know, you know? And it's like, just me being annoyed. And it's like me, blah, 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 blah. You know? And it's just me being annoying to the like being annoyed by the Adele song, and it's just those things that like kill. But that's like that's a comedy bit. That's not yeah. a that's not. That's not a magic that, trick at that's all. Not that's a, a that's, bit. that's just like it's just like finding those. It's a great running gag. Yeah, and it's like I'm I'm bratty in it. I'm I'm condescending to Elsa. You know, I'm like I don't want to build a snowman. You know, like what like this? Ah, oh, that song is so annoying. You know, just like I'm sort of like the bad example <laughs> in the room and it all works because they know that's a game. They get that. It's like, they get, it's a character. They get, it's a game. They get all that. So it's kind of like, it's closer to like sketch and improv than it is stand up. I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain, but it's, it works. <laughs> uh, do do you have different pacing for kid shows as opposed to yeah. comedy for, uh, you know, when you're doing at the, at the magic, at the yeah, magic, the mystery, line. mystery. Yeah. Line. Why yeah I... Usually my, my style uh, for my stand up act is pretty low key, pretty, you know, more like I'm, I'm getting the thought that minute, you know, kind of more distracted and the kid show, boy, you have to just be like, Boom, 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 boom. It's like I always say a, a good kid show is like a shark. You know, it has to keep swimming or it dies. Mm -hmm. You know, so you can't you can't um, carefully put away props. I just like ditch and move on to the next trick. So it's just like boom. It's just way more faster paced. Not really high energy, but just a, a faster. You just have to keep it moving along and keep. Yeah, it you can't have you can't you have too much setup time. In, yeah, and you have to have a lot of like new starts. So it's like if they kind of zone out on something, you kind of get them back, which is the same for stand-up. You know, if you get to get do a long bit, 
and you're telling a long story, some people just zone out on it, but then you need to be able to get them back, you know, the next thing. Uh, yeah. So I, I just, uh, yeah, I'm more leisurely in my standup and, and way more, you know, fast pace. When it comes to like my word count would be like, probably triple because <laughs> you're constantly talking to oh yeah just constantly like and most of the jokes are like word like i don't do a lot of physical comedy i don't it's mostly like word jokes it's like mostly like stand-up jokes that is there a, a lot of callbacks a lot of like running gags callbacks every with the end three callbacks all come at the together in the end it's just like a little perfect little herald showing up at the end of the show you know it's just like yeah is there technical aspects that you've come across where you're like i would love to be able to do this bit but i need somebody to run sound or lights for it or yeah just, there's a mechanical thing that i just can't carry around or whatever it's funny i used to be more limited by that like all my like any prop that had to make noise in the old days had a tape recorder and a speaker built into it so like i literally had to rewind the tape and and play it and hold it up to the mic and it would it would make a sound you know and that was like really like difficult now like uh, like I do like, like I just, I do like educational programs in schools. I do like a science show and I do an ecology show and I do like a reading show, a couple of different reading shows. And they're all like, like educational, but really, you know, joke, 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 joke. But it's, you know, um, but it's like, I have to bring, I have, I bring in backdrops, you know, banners, everything short of lights. I have to bring in my own sounds. So I'm like, I'm like. You know, I have to I have to set up the whole theater basically. Like it looks like a theater show, and I have to set it up every single show. So um, I run all my own sound cues. I have um, a thing. There's this little device. It's called an audio ape. It's like a little unit that with an antenna that plugs in, and it goes between your sound system and your iPhone or your iPad. So basically, then there's a dedicated program on the iPad that has all my cues. So basically, I'm just like hitting with a remote button in my pocket and I can, I can change the order of stuff in my, I can like with the remote, I can change the order. I can skip things. I can change the volume. I can do, I can kind of adapt on the fly. There's a new thing now that they just added to the program, which I haven't learned yet, but I, I want to sit down and learn it where I can play tracks that are out of order. Like I can have like emergency tracks. So it's like if some, if a kid enters into the zone, that they're not supposed to be, I can have like security alarms go off. You know, yeah. it's kind of like, you know, whenever I want and then be right on track with the program. So it's a really complicated. Like the shows are really complex, you know, like I, like one show maybe has 30 music user sound effects wow. in the show. And it's like, and I'm now I'm like, uh, like in my science show, I do a thing where it's kinetic energy versus potential energy. So um, I had this guy, a voiceover guy, do like a wrestling announcer, you know, like in this corner, we have potential energy, the stored energy of an ob stationary object. So it's kind of like, you know, it's in this bells, the, 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 uh, ding, ding, the ring being the bells and the crowd noise and everything. So I'm like, I'm producing like all this content for, and now like a, a new show I'm working on is going to have like video content. Like that's, that's going to be like, kind of a trip because i have like i know nothing about that but it's like you know so the, this this show i'm gonna pay somebody to do it but then kind of be around when they're doing it so i can kind of learn it and kind of figure it out but it'll have like yeah it'll have like 
video content that comes up. So then I have to bring a screen and a projector and all that stuff like that. Yeah, but it's like, carry around a TV yeah, but it's like, so sort. I'm basically, I'm showing up with my whole, the whole show every, every day. So it's, uh, yeah, that's labor intensive. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's much more like, labor. Yeah. For me, the most I do is bring a PA system and a mic stand yeah. and I'm done. And, um, but I'm like, I have to, I have to bring everything. It's just like, you know, and you have to set up quick and you have to, you move you know move it along quick and stuff so it's like so when i hit it's funny when i hit a school it's like i you get to the school you go to the office you sign in somebody escorts you to the gym um i bring in my cart with all my stuff i set up the show probably takes me about 20 minutes to set up the show i do the show pack it up and then i'm out and i'm on to the next one it's just like but it's like yeah it's a lot of stuff <laughs> it's a lot of and, <laughs> and, like and working on the cues and learning the software and all that stuff like and that. while it's, also at the same time yeah yeah reading so, up on what's going on yeah. with magic now what yeah 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 there, yeah trying but, to stay but, ahead but on but, what tricks are going around but i'm very lucky because it's like i get to everything i do is related to comedy you know or magic so it's just sort of like you know I, it, it's all i just yeah um, where do you think you spend the most time as a performer promoting your show, researching your show, practicing your show or doing bookkeeping? Mostly bookkeeping. <laughs> yeah. That's like the biggest thing. Although, um, I had a, a system for doing contracts and invoices and keeping track of everything that was really old. And the guy that, that, made it was really good but then he stopped supporting it so basically it wouldn't run anymore on any of my so i had like one really really old lap book that it was like kind of working on occasionally so i switched to a new one that's all like cloud-based and um it i cut it it, it it's like 10 percent of the time it used to take like you know it, it would that's i'd if I had to do like four contracts, it would take me hours to do. It takes me 15 minutes now. So I'm like – so that freed up a lot of time, like this new system. It's like, oh, this is great. This keeps track of everything and, and it's just really, really easy to use and I and I love it. So that like – so a lot, a lot of times like technology comes along and kind of frees up a lot of energy. But it's – yeah, most of it's the business booking it and, you know, um, you know uh, – reminding people like, Hey, well, I did the show last year. Do you want to do it again this year? That kind of thing. Keeping track of all that stuff. It's just sort of like, that's, that's 90% of the, of the work. And yeah, it's, that's where I'm at right now. Because yeah. Yeah. I, last year I made uh, more doing comedy acting and writing for the dig than I did performing ever in my life. So yeah, it's now great. I'm good at that tax schedule point where I'm like, Oh, why? Like, Present me is really mad at past me for not keeping the receipts. Oh yeah, yeah, no, the receipts. It's, it's, I'm it's like mostly been a hobby in yeah. the eyes of the IRS, so I haven't kept. It. And now I'm like, now I'm doing the bookkeeping and I'm doing yeah. the invoice. Yeah, like, the, actually, I had a that's couple corporate the, gigs this year that I had to do invoices for that I had to figure out how to do an invoice and for. And I I have an envelope right now full of 1099s from like all every possible thing, and uh, yeah, receipts are crazy because it's like you have to account for everything. Um, I had this thing that it, it's a little labor intensive but it it works for pretty well it's called a neat um scanner and basically it will scan the receipt and then you can you plug it in and then you can like oh that was for this and then you write down yeah, everything seen, uh, in the category it's, it's and it's very thin it's like a little yeah bar, right? and it's um that i really like a lot and then that way you have 
uh, a digital copy. It's it's all you know. You have everything. And I did a couple of freelance uh, audio yeah. gigs uh, over the past couple of weeks, which is something work I'm trying to find more of because not having a day job, I'm actively not looking for a day job and trying yeah. to do as much as the performance, freelance audio, radio stuff that I can, just so I can stay afloat. And I feel like getting laid off was a blessing in disguise. Yeah, it usually is. I mean, you uh, usually like this is my last chance. I'm not gonna. Yeah. Yeah. much more opportunities to try it so do it now while i can yeah and i just started scanning all uh using the scanner there to download all, the scan all my receipts and I'm yeah like, why well why was i not doing this before yeah uh, yeah and, it's it's um and what i like about that is if most of my step or a lot of it is like an email receipt so then I, I can forward it to the program so it just goes right in so I don't even have to print it out. Like I don't have to scan, print it out and scan. I just like forward it and uh, that receipt just goes right to, to, to there. Account. So it's oh, like, it makes, it still, it still takes a long time, but it's like, you know, easier than it or more organized than it used to be like a million years ago. But um, yeah. What techniques, because if I, you didn't, when you graduated from member, you didn't graduate from Memerson with a performance. A no, performance. Uh, advertising and PR. Okay. So yeah, that's obviously... Very beneficial to yeah 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 yeah. Is there particular techniques for comedians or performers in general about advertising themselves, promoing themselves that yeah aren't they don't naturally figure out on their own? Is there something you would say? Hey, look, if you want to do as a performer, you should you should be doing these for promotional techniques. Yeah, well, it's like like I said earlier about how you know I said if you're a comedian, you just can't always wait for the joke to just pop into your head you have to find it is you can't just wait for the phone to ring you have to i i I, two things like um um in in the span of a year two things happened one uh, a comedy booker that was local left the area just like yep going to new york like and basically half my income just dried up because they weren't booking these rooms any, you know, they just, it was just like gone overnight. And then within a year, I just had a weird falling out with the other half. And then the other half kind of went or a good chunk of it went. And it was like, I will never ever be in that position where I'm not in charge of my own bookings. You know, like I'm the, I'm in charge of getting the shows. I'm in charge of finding the work. And, um, and it was it was it was horrible that it happened, but it, it it like again, it's like a blessing in disguise because it made me really take the business side of it seriously and make everything work. So um, yeah, like um, most of my shows are like I have to find I have to bring in um, because a lot of it's like with kids, the um, and families like they so you that person ages out of that thing so if they're the pto mom they age out of it like the kids move on to high school and you're not they're not your contact at the school anymore so it's kind of like you know i have to so i have to bring in so many new people a year to keep like most of my work is is repeat stuff you know people that see me and know me in schools that have me and i've done it so it's most of it's like repeat like like about 80% 80% of it is like repeat. So that 20% is I have to bring in 20% new people every year. So then it's like, yeah, so I'm in charge of finding those people like through like either like Facebook ads or things like that. Or 
or even just like I kind of look at every show as like an infomercial for the show so that they know like when they see the show, they know that they can hire me like they know and they know that I do different things. Like a lot of times they see you do the magic show and they don't realize like I do a science show. I do this. So you have to find ways to kind of make sure that they know that you do all this different stuff. Um, so, um, yeah, so, but it, it's, I think a lot of comedians just sort of wait, you know, and wait for the phone to ring. And it's just like, no, you have, you have to go out and do this. You have to, you know, like that's, you, that's, you should never be in that position, just like waiting for the, you know, the phone to call you, you. In your, in your experience, when you contact somebody for the first time about booking, is it an email? Is it a phone call? Do you mix? I'm. I don't like cold calling people. I don't like. Hey, hi. How are you? So I can't do that. Okay. Like, I I find that really difficult. So mostly, usually, it's like a mailing. Like I'll mail out like a postcard or something, and I'll do mailings kind of time throughout the year, you know, for different things. So I'll I'll and then that usually then that's then they'll call and that's that does a pretty good job of it. Um. Uh, it, you, you know, advertising places, having it like Google ads or, you know, having like, um, uh, you know, your, your website come up a little bit higher than everybody else's like that kind of thing. But, you know, that's like every month you're kind of paying for that kind of stuff. So it's sort of, you know, uh, it, yeah, it's kind of, I'm not, I'm not the best at it. I, I get a lot of, I have a lot of friends who are, so I'm usually like, will you look at my stuff and just tell me <laughs> if I'm doing it right? And I'll call you again next year. Okay, great. You know, I won't bother you too much, you know? So I, 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 I'm not great at that, but I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm good enough at it that it, it seems to be working out pretty well. And that, and that's, that kind of stuff changes all the time. Like all, so it's, you have to kind of always be up on it, but you can pay people to do it. I mean, but I'm, you know, I try to, do everything myself, which yeah. is probably not. Which, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always, my anxiety, the only real anxiety I get is sending out feelers for shows. Yeah, yeah. Because like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be like, you know, casually, like, hey, I'm a comedian. Here's where you can see myself. I'd love to play at your place or whatever. Yeah. Even when I message people I know personally about, yeah. hey, uh, I, I, you, you got a room. Uh, hey, Chris, it's uh, Dennis. Uh, is there? Let me know if there's any t- chance that I can come up and and like I'm trying to be very yeah. casual, but yeah. to the point with them. Yeah. And then when it's someone I don't know, I try to be very business and like, "Hello, yeah. sir or madam, I am a comedian that would love to perform at your establishment. Here is where you can preview all of uh, preview my material." Your humble and, servant. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, Thank you, and I look yeah. forward to doing business with you in yeah, the future. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Corporate stuff is kind of like that, and I I do some corporate stuff. I don't like it as much. You know, I'm um. I'm more like I like things like uh, like I do Google's like take your kids to work day and I just do like shows all day. It's just like that's great. That's easy. That's corporate, but it's like it's easy. I don't like – Oh, the, bring your kids to work and then just do the kids. Yeah, I'm just doing – no, I'm just doing the show. Like they bring – they have a show for the kids and I do the shows and that's it. Um it's perfect. It's um, – I don't like the corporate thing where you can't be funny. You can't – you know what I mean? Like you, you kind of – you realize somebody's going to get fired if you don't do a good job. Yeah. You know? like, I don't like that responsibility. I don't like you know that that person that booked you just wringing their hands the whole time that it's going to be okay. Like I just find that really kind of 
tiring. Like, you know, I, I don't like the pressure of that, you know, so, but I, I do them, but I don't, I don't do a lot yeah, of Brian it. Longwell can go do those. Yeah. Those Brian, <laughs> Brian does great. He's, I love his corporate bit. I thought he's when I heard about it, when I moved here, yeah. when I saw it, cause of, I've run, I used to run the website that listed all the shows and his name would pop up at the studio and I would look up to see who he was. And I'm like, Oh, that, well, that's oh, that's kind of lame. He, then I saw him. Like, no, it's brilliant. He's, he's brilliant. It's yeah, a great, yeah. like he, the projector, the slide, uh, you know, the little transparency. And that's that's like, and you it's, know, it's so such a great, yeah. great idea. And, and it's I such love a, it. it's such a, you carve out your little niche, and you can do it. like you know who used to do that. Um, it, people were called put on artists. It's like Pat Paulson was a put on. You know, he would just like be a fake expert on something and come in and, yeah. and you see these guys do it and they're amazing at it, but like no one even knows it exists. Cause it's kind of like, they're just kind of under the radar, but something like Brian. Yeah. He's great. He, yeah, like and he, it, when he does it in the club and it's brilliant. Yeah, you know, it works in like, the club and I can it, only imagine how well it works actually yeah. at a corporate Oh yeah. Event. Yeah. Especially when they, it's, they're it's seriously made for that environment. Yeah. They're, they're buying that it's real. And he's like, these slides are horrible. And it's like, <laughs> it looks like a two year old drew, you know, he's, he, it's great. Yeah. It, it's, it's, and it's, it's just brilliant. brilliantly dry. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Uh, well, all right. So let's go back to Emerson and I think yeah. we'll wrap up with that. Um, is when you got, you're part of the community that created this comedy course. Yeah. What things did you and the rest of them have to specifically look at to go, look, if we're going to do a serious job of teaching yep. comedy, what are the aspects that we need all these students to know in the four years before they walk out the door? Um, it's that they can do a lot with comedy, you know, that it's not just, you know, sitcoms or that that it's it's so it's basically it's integrated into all of emerson so it's like there's studies programs so you could become like a historian or write books on you know you could become an expert and write books on comedy that kind of thing there's uh you know film and screenplay and uh playwriting and state you know so it's kind of like everything that's at emerson now there's like a comedy angle which there always was but it's sort of like they can get credit for it like you know like um, uh, so it's, it's making sure that it's a, it's a well-rounded program with a lot of, that have, people can take a lot of different paths. I teach the intro class, the major, which is, um, kind of like a little bit of everything, you know, like a little com little comedy primer thing, you know, so just kind of make sure everybody's on the same page roughly with language and terminology that they're going to use later on. Um, a lot of people haven't really written before like they haven't written sketches so we write sketches they do a little bit of stand-up to try their you know hand at it um they look at kind of little historical things little trends we talk about um industry issues as they come up like so if there's some big controversy we're like all over it you know like talking about it and you know talking it through and looking for patterns so it's like yeah it's sort of like a little comedy 101 kind of a thing that kind of gets them all going there and it's it's i really like doing that it's a lot of fun do you uh do you put any uh effort into having like guest lecturers or when there's somebody who's particularly hot in town like if pete davidson was at the wilbur would you do you guys reach out to some of them it's like hey would you like to come by the class and talk to them you know it's funny that's something that i have been wanting to do because the Wilbur's right there. Yeah. I mean, like literally, like it's Most right around the corner the w, from my yeah. classroom, and they're right they're right across the street. Like like they you could walk a block and you're in my classroom, you know. So, um, a lot of that is um, 
the school having to have the access. So it's kind of gets a little complicated, but um, I've had, I have had people come in as guests. Like I remember I had Joe Wong come in like right after you did the Letterman set for the first time. And you know, do you know Joe? Yeah. He's uh, uh, Genius. Uh, I Brilliant. Wanna say, I, I want to say he's actually, his, his, his He's Asian, but I think specifically he's Chinese. Chinese, and he's and now he like studied here for a bunch of years, and then went back and started a whole. And now he's Chinese like he's comedy. like the John Stewart of China yeah. now, like basically like a celebrity. Yeah, I met him and once he, or twice. Just, but he was like a stu- you know working at the studio doing stuff. Got Letterman, and Letterman like loved him, and they were trying to develop a show for him. So I just kind of talked about like his experience getting that, and and also it was kind of interesting because I don't know how you I I don't know how you keep the comedy of two languages in your head. I don't like, I just have nothing but praise for you. If you can do that, I, I can barely do it with one. Oh, yeah. And it's just like, to be able to go back and forth between the two is just like kind of amazing. So yeah. So uh, I'll have people come in. I want to try to do more of that, bringing people in. Um, it, it, it mostly I don't do it cause it's just a hassle. You have to clear them with the school and it's just it takes a long time it takes a lot of paperwork and a lot of time so a lot of times like um uh like like i thought like i know amazing he was just amazing jonathan you mentioned earlier yeah. was just the wilbur i know him i thought hey i'll have him come in but it's just like it would have taken two i would have had of known like a month in advance and done paperwork it's just yeah. like it's very complicated so we could make it easier it'd be I, nice. I, I i want to talk to him badly because i want to know what happened because he was on death's doorstep yeah he and now um, he's back in 100 percent. i mean yeah, i heard he him was, talk about it but i want to he was supposed to be dead he was like yep yeah. i have a couple of weeks left that's kind of it and, and even on marin like after he announced it on mark marin's yeah. podcast there was still a lot of. Is this still a bit? Is this still no? A joke? It's not a and bit. He's. And it wasn't. No. Yeah, but he's definitely. But he. Um, you couldn't tell at first. Like, is he doing a bit or is he serious? And he, yeah, no. Because the he, way he he piled it on, where it's like, look, I'm doing two shows, and by the yeah. time this comes out, I've already done those shows, and he's doing I may it. not be here by the time that the, the yeah, show. Yeah, that's that's, that's what it was like. That's what it's like. And you but later now, on you, with Jonathan's comedy, yeah, like, they, okay, they actually um uh at Sundance they just premiered one of two documentaries about him that My were filming at the same time which is really weird and i guess it's great and i guess um HBO bought it or, or somebody hulu or somebody bought it so it'll it'll be like on you know like probably the next year or yeah, so i'm jealous but, that uh, she saw it already and i'm like i yeah I yeah i didn't get to see it, it but um yeah uh, well she's at sundance right now yeah. she's like oh i'm only here for the second uh, second half of the week i'm like you're still at sundance yeah Stop yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah but but um yeah no he's he um has beat all the odds and he's you know i saw last time i saw him was maybe a year ago and he he you know he's not he's ill but he's not he's there yeah. you know still doing stuff still you know, like came up with a joke for him. I was like, all right, great. Okay. <laughs> do you, uh, press to your students about going out and seeing shows as, yeah. as like homework? Yeah. That's another thing. I would love to get a relationship with the Wilbur to get, get like internships or, or, you know, things like that over there. That'd be great. Um, but yeah, I try to get them. If they, there's, see, there's so much comedy on campus. It's very easy to get sucked into just like being there. That's what I hear about. And it's Emerson like, Simmons no, you gotta. They'll you, perform for four years just inside there. Yeah, no, you. And it's like that's why I take the shows out of Emerson. I make them do their stand up in the, the comedy, comedy studio or Improv Boston. Same thing with the sketch. I make them do it in the room, and it's like, nope, we're actually 
doing it in a real room and you're responsible for getting people to go there and, you know, like getting an audience and, and all that. So, um, yeah, I want it to be a real experience. I don't want it to be like just their friends and all that. It, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I was always, when I started, I never let people come see me. I was like, like friends and I like didn't, I hated if somebody I knew was in the audience. Like I I liked just going up and not knowing anybody. And it's like I I don't think I'd do it if I had. That's why like the whole bringer show thing is so horrendous because it's like I would have probably wouldn't have done it if I had to bring friends every single time I performed. I I wouldn't have done it. Yeah, there is my my experience with bringer shows was a necessary evil slash. Yeah, yeah. Like, to me, I want to, you know, McGooby's was my first bringer in uh, Baltimore. Right. And yeah, Boston still hasn't really done it very much. Yeah, there's, but it's the people it, who do, who do do it don't. But everywhere else, it's kind of, the, and now I think it's even now it's like people are actually paying to go on stage plays. That's what I've heard. Like, you're actually like, if you want to go on stage, it costs this much. It's like, that's not a good yeah, and uh, that, that's I, not I, how it works. I commend the people that want to perform that badly that they're willing yeah, to do but, that. Yeah, but that's not how but it works. That is not. It's going to get you nowhere. No, it's, it's going to get you nowhere. It's like that's, it's, that's what you have to get through their heads. Yeah, you're stuff. better off staying home and watching the Marx Brothers, and, <laughs> and picking up something funny from them. You know, it's like I don't know. I, I just it's um, I when I started, I was just so lucky. There were so many open mics and just so many venues, and it, I just it, that's. The, you know, the more you do, the you get better faster. It's just like that's kind of how it is, you know. Yeah. And also, also like if you, you know, if, if I had like say if I had like ten open mic nights in a week, which was not unusual, you know, um, if I was kind of hot on a joke and it didn't work the first time, I'd still be hot on it and I'd try it the next one. But if you had like a month in between, you're gonna go, yeah, I don't, I don't think that joke's very funny. Yeah. I don't either. So you kind of don't even. Nothing has legs in your, you know, you just, I don't know. I think, I think it's very difficult. Uh, what do you, for the stand up portion of, of your classes, for the people who are specifically stand ups, what's the benefit to going to, through the process at Emerson that, as opposed to just going to open mics at 18, 19 years old and, and uh, going through that, that process? Do you feel that the students are, they're going to learn something specific in those four years than just four years of open mics? Yeah, that's it's a really good question, actually, because. Um, hey, thank you. I pray myself <laughs> on good questions. <laughs> they, they 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 should be going out and doing spots, but a lot of times it's it's the state of class. I get it's mostly people that have never done it before. There might be one or two that, like I think right now in my class, it's like fifteen people, maybe four have done it a few times. Not like on campus, not really like out there. So they're all pretty new at it. So I think they wouldn't do it otherwise. I think they need the workshop environment to get it to, to then. Because then it's kind of like, okay, now I want to do these jokes. Now I want to do it. And I think it just puts you a little bit ahead of the game in terms of just going up cold and open mic. Because you, you know, again, we spend a lot of time crafting it and coming up with the tags and a lot of times you know like uh a tag might take a year or two years to get and it's kind of like i think we get it a little bit faster you know so i think you just kind of get there a little bit quicker with it 
you know. You get the students in more of a mi- writing mindset then. Yeah, and 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 they're they're constantly have to think about what they do. They, um, I can usually anticipate problems. You know, I can usually anticipate. Yeah, ah, that's, that's that's a little long. That that setup's too clumsy. You know, I can usually kind of anticipate that and kind of help them clean up a lot of the rough edges before they even go on. So I think when they go on, they're they're in a little bit better place, and they do they do better than if you just went up a few times without putting a lot of thought into it. I think. So where do you feel is the difference? And, and I think you also develop good habits, you know, like to continue it. I think you know everything. Everything I, I teach them is like to be that you have to work. You know, this isn't easy. You just you have to you have to work on this. This is hard. You know, you have to write. You have to do this. You have to. So I think I instill kind of good work ethic in them, and you know, I think that carries them through. Have you ever looked at the difference between what your curriculum teaches and what a? Um, oh, by the way, do we have a hard out on time? No, 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 okay. I'm good. Yeah. Uh, between what your ter- te- your curriculum teaches and then somewhere like IB or independent comedy writing uh, comedy classes do you see what those guys are doing and see if it's i don't you know it's funny i i kind of actually purposely kind of don't look at that because i kind of have my thing that i know works and i kind of you know just yeah i just kind of make i put out i I wrote a book called the everything guide to comedy writing Um, that's the i had a note on here about books yeah 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 yeah, so i wrote that and actually um i know um uh, comedy sports was using it. And, you know, um, in, um, Austin, there's like a long running sketch show called Esther's Follies. It's like a, you know, uh, kind of a, and they use it in their classes in, in there. So other people are using it and it's, it's more a book about creativity than it is anything else. It's just like, again, like how to come up with ideas and that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, so I kind of, I kind of just stick to my own little thing and kind of, you know, change it as I see the industry changing, you know, like, but yeah. Uh, the process, can, can you go over the process of creating a book? Cause you have two or uh, three books out, don't you? Um, I, that's like the, the, the only proper book, you know, uh-huh. like book, book. Um, I've done a lot of, um, I wrote for, uh, magic magazine, which was the biggest magic magazine in the world. I wrote like 50 columns for that. Oh, wow. So that's going to be a book. You know, and it's most, it's like some of the, some of the things are, here's how you do a trick. Here's a thing. Most of it was like kind of essays and stuff about comedy and things like that. So I'm kind of, uh, it's going to be like a two part book theory and then practice, you know, kind of like that kind of thing. So, um, when's that book going to be out? Uh, it, it's basically I, like I, when I wrote it, it was like, I'm going to write a chapter at a time. Like okay. I, I had the, the picture of the the bigger picture in mind. So I kind of, I just have to edit it, you know, re-edit it and kind of put it all together. So whenever I free up time, which will probably never happen, <laughs> but um, I thought about writing a book about sketch comedy. Cause I, it's like, there's not really a lot out there on it. And I, and I, I've done it for a long time, you know, like probably 25 years at Emerson I've done thousands and thousands of sketches. So it's like, I think I have a pretty good grasp on it, you know? Um, like we can, we can in class fix SNL sketches in five minutes. We can, I'll show them a, we'll show them a sketch. It's like, just talk it out. Up oh, here's a great ending for it. Boom. Five minutes. It's mm-hmm. like, we can, we can knock it out pretty well. So, um, 
Yeah, so I might, uh, uh, thinking about writing that, um, I've written like lecture notes and things like that, but yeah, not that the only, this is like the only book. The The way I got the book was um, I had written a column, my first column for Magic Magazine, which was called Five Steps to Funny. It was like, here's five little techniques you can use to put comedy in your act, you know, and it's just like kind of like a little thing. And I got a call from the publisher saying, we're looking for somebody to write a book on comedy writing. And we understand that you teach at Emerson and all this. And they, and they said, do you have anything that you've written that you could give us an example? And I just, I had like just written this. So I sent it. And then I had the contract like that afternoon. It was like to write it. So then I had a deadline. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, it was like, I had, I had, I, like, have to I had like it. a few months to do it. And it was just like the hardest thing I've ever done. I'm happy with how it came out, but it was like, I would have liked to have had more time with it you know but uh but it, i probably wouldn't have ever got it done unless i had a deadline and had to do it and stuff but um yeah I is like that it. something like uh i mean not to, you're getting older in age is there a point that, that you have considered when you're going to start pulling back from performing is that even a thought of what will i do if i stop performing uh or yeah if I, I don't i it's not on the i don't plan to stop i you know it's sort yeah. of like i i don't I'm not suggesting I'm, you should. I just yeah, no, no. It's, I, like it's it's sort of like of yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean I don't really have a, I don't see myself ever not performing. I just I like doing it. It's like it's kind of that's kind of what I do. Um, yeah, I mean I might end up teaching more and and going back or writing book. You know, I might yeah. I just but I don't I don't I don't see I'm gonna go. Yep, I'm not doing this anymore. It's like no, I. I Go crazy in a week if I didn't <laughs> get to do it. Yeah, I mean, it I just think. I think yeah. about the the labor intensity of this. I feel like at some point, yeah, some that's, people that's... would go, "Look, I like performing, but I don't like doing everything else involved with it." So I'll make the balance and give up on one. Yeah, other people one, like but... um, hire people to s- set up the you know the bring in the show. Like like um, Jonathan, uh, back to him. He. Um, like when he was doing, uh, was he at the Flamingo? Where was he at in Vegas? His like big room. He, uh, somebody else set up the whole show. He just like walked in and did it and left and they packed it up. And, you know, so it's sort of like I could see doing that, hiring someone to like, you know. Like A stage just, hand, just, Yeah, basically. just, you know, they come in, they set up the show. I just do it. And yeah, I mm. could see that. But yeah. So, Excellent. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And the final question I'll ask you Which is seems very like indulgent. It's just like, you know, I'm not uh <laughs> I, I I feel bad if like I don't complain about if the waiter brings me the I don't complain. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't I feel like very that would be very weird, but it would be practical to, uh, to do that. And the final know. question I will ask you is a question I ask uh all comedians. Um is and I think you've already answered it, but I'm gonna ask it anyway, is do you feel you're more of a writer or a performer? Like, can you curate jokes and comedy for other people? Or do you write and it works with you and you're better on stage than you are on paper or something along those lines? I'm way better on paper, I think, you than think I so? am on okay. stage. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and I, I, um, I love writing with other people. You know, that's like, I don't, never really written, I guess, you know, you, I'll punch up. I'll go, hey, what about this joke? You know, I'll add little things to a script, you know, like in class, but I don't really ever take it over or anything. It's just, I like the, I like the, I like collaboration. I like working with other people. I like making stuff funnier. 
I always feel like you can always make I don't I always feel like nothing's ever done. You can always make it funnier. I even like look at performing as just another part of writing because yeah. it's kind of like, oh, okay, then I I add this to it and that's writing, you know. It's yeah. sort of like like it's the untested. I have to, it's part of the process. I have to go on stage and do it. And then I can add to it, you know. But nothing's better than like a joke that's 20 years old and you add something new to it. It's just like it's great. It's like, that's like the best feeling in the world. It's like, you know, even more so than coming up with a new joke for me. It's just like, no, you just, here's this joke that's been sitting there. I'm doing it for this way. And I just get this one little distinction that makes it a thousand times better. It's just like, yeah, that's great. That's, okay. that's great. Yeah. I would have figured you were going to say performer. Because... No, no. I I, okay. I was, I mean, like, I always, always considered myself as like a reluctant performer, you know, like, okay. like it was again, like I liked the magic stuff. I, forced myself to do it same thing with the comedy it was like uh, where am i gonna do like i'm doing magic i'm not david copperfield i'm i'm, I'm a goofy looking guy i have to go in and like so comedy is probably the so i always feel like i kind of fell into everything and it it worked out well but it you know i it was never like i don't think i ever want like it was like yeah that's what i want to do I don't, I don't know it's yeah. kind of complicated you like the creation of it which i like the cre- creations like that's and that's what i love about teaching, i love is the it, performance but, side of it yeah like, yeah I, i've always identified more as a performer whereas i will create my own jokes uh, but i think if somebody gave me a joke i can do that joke just as well or better performing it than it would ever be on paper by itself, yeah personally yeah because yeah. i just like the performance like even my writing process is i do a lot of uh uh, I'll go up with a premise and I'll talk it out and right. use the fight or fight of yeah fight exactly. Or fight it's funny. I I talk about this in class all the time. It's just like, like usually like if I if I'm going on with something new, like uh, I'm working on this thing. I I uh, um so I've been trying to get a lot. I gained a lot of weight. I've been trying to lose weight and uh, getting on the vitamin supplements. You know, I'm taking like fiber, uh, uh, gummy fiber. And gummy vitamin C and gummy multivitamins. My doctor just prescribed gummy insulin. You know, um, so it's sort of like, so it's like, like I roughly know the joke. You know, it's like because of the gummy, I have all the gummy stuff I have to take. You know, insulin. gummy insulin because <laughs> um, I'm just eating sugar all day long. Um, and I, I roughly know the joke, but I don't know if – like I'm doing the mystery lines tonight. I, I'm going to do it. I don't know what I'm going to say. I, I let it – I let all that happen on stage. You know, I, I just – I kind of work out the thing in my head. Like I know the A, B, and C, but I don't – I'm happy to see how it comes out. Like I can't – I can't commit to it yet. On yeah, I have to I have to yeah. talk a joke out Yeah, yeah. and then sit down with it and review it. And occasionally there will be a few things yeah. structure-wise or new things I'll add to it. Then I have to try it again. Yeah. And I have to I, – That's like, who that's I am. Yeah. yeah. I can't uh, – the people who can just sit down, write something. Yeah, I'm not – And it, it memorize it verbatim. Uh, yeah, it's I such can't. such an uh, impossible I, I, concept to I, I just – I like – just like you said, the fight or flight. I, that seems to work for me. I like, you know, forcing – I, it's funny. I always like if, – if I, if I write it – out first as opposed to doing it when i do it i always come up with some weird awkward phrasing that works so much better that i can't write but it just comes out and it's like oh yeah that that i kind of stumbled through it and that that stumbling is like kind of what i do so it's like (laughs) okay that's i can't write that i just have to let it kind of happen 
Yeah. Actually, yeah. Uh, I, I'm glad we were able to finally sit down and have this, yeah. con- this conversation after a lot of back and forth. Yeah, and, yeah. It's, and it's, there's, there's certain times where I was like, uh, I'll email him tomorrow, and then tomorrow becomes a week, and a week becomes two weeks. And yeah, two yeah, weeks yeah. No, I apologize because it, no, uh, you're a busy guy who's got a lot going on. I'm, uh, there's nothing wrong with you. Sometimes I do. I need to be better at following up on things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm, I had a great time. I'm so happy I could do Good. it. Well, I'm glad we did this. Yeah, thanks. Sick